last song we sang, pretty bold statement. I want you to just think about it for a minute. I surrender all to you, withholding nothing. A few weeks back, I talked about the battle plan, you know, that we're in a spiritual battle. And we don't want to get to the point in our walk in this world where we are so desperate, that we're so bludgeoned, that we're so beaten down, that we get to that point where we realize if I don't surrender my life to Christ now, I'm not going to make it. So when we sing a song like that, I surrender all, every day we have that opportunity. And it's a simple act. I mean, if you're in a battle, those of you that served, if any of you were you know, downrange, as they say, that you were actually engaged in battle, you get to a point where the enemy's totally got you surrounded. You're outgunned. You're out. There's no rescue for you. One of the things that they can do is what? Praise God. Put their hands up and surrender. Yeah. That's where we're at. That's who we are. That's where we need to come to that realization that if we continue to try to do it in our own strength, we're not going to make it. We need to surrender our plans, our desires, our goals that we may have and surrender them to Christ so that he can take us and bring us out of that situation. Whatever your situation is, every single one of us has a situation, an issue that we're sitting here with right now. Eric, thank you for your testimony. Yes. Eric surrendered who he was and what he was going through, and God's turning his life around. He's given a love for this woman that he didn't understand. He's given him a higher, a deeper dimension of love than I think you ever understood before. Okay. So no matter what you're sitting here with, surrender it. Give it all to him. And that's what the, the, the message of Christ is about. You know, he surrendered his deity. He surrendered perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit and said, you people are worth me surrendering my life and my time in perfect harmony. That's how valuable we are. He said, you're worth it. I'm going to surrender all I have, nail it to the cross, so that you can come here today and worship freely. You know, our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan, they're worshiping because that's all they've got. It's the hope they've got. God placed us here in the United States because he knew this is where he wanted us. So don't feel guilty. Don't feel, I'm not trying to guilt anybody into saying that what's going on in Afghanistan with those Christians, those brothers and sisters, is don't feel guilty about that. God put us here for a reason. Right. Embrace it. Work with it. My message this morning, beyond surrender, it's about remembering. And again, I've been up here enough times, those of you who know me, 
my wife is not here, so she's worried that I'm just going to unleash history on you guys. She's not here to hold me in rain. But it's about remembrance. Everything that we read in the Old Testament, it's about remembering what God did, how he delivered them. Everything in the New Testament is about how Christ came to deliver us, to remember what he did for us. And I'm going to take a little turn on you right now, and I'm going to say Happy New Year. Okay, thank you, Paul. All right, so some of you, like New Year's, not for another few months, January 1st, right? Okay. Now, we're grafted into the body of Christ. We're grafted into the nation of Israel. And Tuesday is Rosh Hashanah. Some of you have heard that term before. Um, our cultural New Year's that we celebrate on January 1, what's its significance? We get to flip up a new, put a new calendar on the wall. I mean, that's a big event, right? Put that new calendar up there. Um, we get to start a new 12 months of declaring our income so that we can make our government work for us, right? It's also a measure of time. I mean, we have to measure time somehow. It's how we keep our schedules and everything. So what I'm, my point is, culturally, what we celebrate as New Year's really isn't that big of an event. I mean, we turn it into a big party and people do stupid things and make resolutions and all those things. But the Jewish New Year has a lot more significance. Oh, yeah. Okay, Rosh Hashanah. Um, it's Hebrew for head of the year. It's actually when the Jewish people celebrate their New Year. It's the beginning of their calendar. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read to you out of Leviticus chapter 23. And as Eric said, I'm going to use this paper thing. So if you want to follow along with me, Leviticus chapter 23. Verses 23 and 25. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein, <clears throat> but you shall offer, make an offering by fire unto the Lord. So what this is, it's one of the seven major feasts that God told the nation of Israel to celebrate. And every one of the feasts, as we look back on it as New Testament Christians, what they celebrated in the Old Testament through these seven major feasts, every single one of them was a foreshadowing of Christ. That when Jesus came and he fulfilled the first four feasts, that's why a lot of the Jews of that day were able to recognize who he was. Because they'd been celebrating these feasts for centuries. And so when he came and fulfilled these feasts, they were able to recognize it. And the Feast of Trumpets, as it's called, is the um, fifth feast in the year. And it's a fall feast. September 7th is what we will recognize if you have a calendar that it will say Rosh Hashanah begins at sundown tomorrow and ends on sundown the following two days prior or later. Um, with the Feast of Trumpets, it's obviously named that, you know, Feast of Trumpets. And there's two types of trumpets that if you read the Old Testament that are talked about. Um, the first kind that I'll talk about is the silver. It's a handmade or a man-made trumpet. And it was used when they would bring in burn or peace offerings into the temple. 
The one that's more important to what I'm talking about this morning is actually a shofar. Many of you are familiar with the shofar. Um, we have them somewhere around here. Didn't think to get one out for you. A shofar is it's a um, trumpet. It's a ram's horn. And the significance of that, there's so many things. God doesn't do anything by accident. He doesn't just do things for the sake of doing things. Everything that God does, he's showing us something. He's trying to teach us something. And one of the things that when a shofar is blown, that if you are a you know, Hebrew, it reminds you of when Abraham took his son, the promised son, to Mount Moriah to offer him as a sacrifice. He was going up to kill him. God said, offer your son, your only son, the one that the blessing is going to pass through, offer him as a sacrifice. And they walked for the miles that it took to get there. Isaac got to carry the wood that was going to be his pyre and went up on the mountain, got it all laid out, bound him on the altar. Abraham raised a knife to kill him, and God provided a ram in a thicket that was caught by its horns. So when the shofar is blown in the nation of Israel, it reminds them of how God delivered and how God provided a sacrifice for Abraham and for Isaac, obviously. So when the shofar is blown, it's used for three different reasons in the Old Testament. It's used to call the people for an assembly before the Lord. It's a call to congregation. It's a call to come and meet with the Lord. It's also a sounding of battle. That when the enemy's approaching, the shofar would blow, prepare the troops, get yourselves ready. We need to hear the shofar blowing constantly because, again, we're in a spiritual battle, right? And it's also an important, important announcements would be announced with the blowing of the shofar, that the birth of a king, the birth of an important person, important events that were going to be happening for the nation of Israel, a shofar was blown to bring their attention to God. And one of the obvious things that we can hold on to is in 1 Thessalonians. That we don't hear too much trumpet blowing or shofar blowing in the church anymore. But in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God so when Christ returns his return will be announced with what the blowing of a shofar a trumpet so Rosh Hashanah is more than just a new year celebration to the Jews that if you read the Old Testament when I was reading out of Leviticus it names all seven of the major festivals in that section of Leviticus to the Jews it was a very serious time you know, they celebrate it in a way as their new year because what was to begin on Rosh Hashanah is the next festival following that was 10 days after that was Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. So until that time in Rosh Hashanah, is they were to, if you were an Israelite, if you were a Hebrew person, you would start evaluating your life you would determine if you needed to repent. Because once the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and offered the sacrifice, it happened one time per year. And in that 10-day span between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, they were dealing with themselves. They were 
asking God to search their hearts. Is there any wicked ways in me? Do I need to repent of anything? Because once the high priest offered the sacrifice on the holy, in the Holy of Holies, they had another year before their sins could be cleansed. So in that 10-day window they had, is they were evaluating themselves. They were saying, I need to be cleansed. Because in that 10-day period, if they were not repentant of their sins, high priest offered the sacrifice, from that day until the next Rosh Hashanah, they could be judged by God, they felt. So can you imagine living for an entire year with the burdens of your sins constantly weighing you down? Are any of you like that today? That the sins that you have in your heart, the sins that you have in your head, are they weighing down on you today? We don't have to wait for a year. We don't have to wait for a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies. Our high priest is Christ. We can come to him today and say, Lord, forgive me of the sins I've committed. I forgive those that have abused me, whatever it happens to be. We don't have to wait. That's the beauty of the New Testament, of the new covenant that Christ came and gave us on the cross, is we don't have to keep waiting. Nobody else has to do it for us. In the New Old Testament, they had to wait for the priest to do it. They had to bring their sacrifices, their offerings to the priest and say, this is for my sins. We have a new deal. We have a new covenant where we can bring our sins to Christ at the foot of the cross. We don't have to wait. You don't have to come to a pastor. You don't have to come to a, another person. You can take it directly to Christ. We are told to confess our sins to one another, which helps hold us accountable, helps us grow in Christ. But it's something that we can take right to Christ because he's made that way for us. So Rosh Hashanah is a, it's a highly important day in the Jewish faith because they know that it's their opportunity to be made right with God under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. So Rosh Hashanah for us, it needs to be a time of repentance and restoration. It needs to be a time of remembering what God has done for us. And as you can see, we've got communion set up here. The, at the end of the service, we'll be taking communion. And so between now and then, I want you to be searching your hearts, asking God to reveal things to you that you need to leave here on the cross to be cleansed by his blood. So we need to remember what Christ has done for us. We need to remember the things that God has done to deliver us, to bring us to the point where we are today. Um, at this point, you know, our salvation. Not only did Christ die on the cross for our salvation, but he also died on the cross to restore what the enemy is trying to steal from us. You know, the, the enemy comes to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Okay? Whatever that happens to be in your life, it could be your joy, it could be your health, it could be, you know, your mind even. The enemy is coming to steal things from you so that you cannot serve God with your whole being, to try and distract you, to try and trip you up, to try and knock you down. Whatever it is that's happening in your life, the enemy is trying to distract you and keep you from serving God with your whole heart. And so we need to remember what he's done for us and how he has restored things in our lives. And at this point, I'm going to ask Sarah to come on up. She has a testimony. And we're told that it's by the power of the blood and the power of our testimony that we overcome the enemy. 
So Sarah, come on up. I'd like to start out with a scripture verse. Because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you. And um, I have a couple things that I'd like to praise the Lord for this morning. Well, I want to start by saying about a year ago, my husband and I decided um, that we wanted to downsize. We had a big house in the country, and um, we wanted something smaller. It just became too much for us. So I found this little house. And praise the Lord, where was this little house? Right next door to Mickey, which I didn't realize at the time. And within a week, she was in my house with an apple pie. Thank you, Mickey. And I made an apple pie, too, so we both had apple pies to enjoy. So I've been coming to this church about five or six months now, and shortly after I started coming here, my youngest daughter was um, diagnosed with cancer by two doctors that highly suspected that because she had so many signs of cancer. Well, that was devastating. Kurt was working on my kitchen at the time, and I think I shared with him and started to cry and said, my, dog has, my daughter has cancer. So for five months, we started out at Roswell with 17 tubes of blood, many doctors, x-ray sonograms, to find out where this cancer had started. And after five months, and praise the Lord, there was no cancer. Absolutely no cancer. But what happened to me was what I want to share about, and that was I was under so much stress at the time. I don't really have um, a good memory with names, but I started to lose my memory. Not only names, but words. I couldn't think of anything. I just shut down going through all this. I can remember I was sitting in my Jeep one time, and I thought, what color is this Jeep? And I sat there and I thought, I don't know what color this Jeep is. I was in pretty bad shape mentally. So a few Sundays ago, after service, the word says, if you don't ask, you're not going to receive. And Rich had finished preaching. And I went up to him and I said, would you please pray for me? And he said, why, Sarah? And I said, I've lost my memory. So he laid hands on me and prayed for me. A week later, for the next service, he came up and he put his hand on my shoulder before he spoke. And I said, my memory is back. I can remember everything. Praise the Lord. My memory is back. I really got a healing. But as I was thinking about all this, I was thinking about how God had his hand on me with my memory because he took it away from me because I was right on the edge. And I knew, I would say to my husband, 
Don, I can't take one more thing. I am so upset about this because my daughter had a lot of emotional problems and it was so difficult on her, it made it difficult on me. So I want to praise the Lord that I realize that his hand was on me when I lost my memory and then praise God after I had Rich pray for me, my memory come back. I just want to praise the Lord for that. Amen. Thank you, Sarah. Okay, so let's give the Lord a hand. So God's word's true. Does anybody doubt that in here? Okay, we've heard multiple testimonies. We're going to hear testimonies that God's moving. You know, God looks at this body of Christ right here and he's got plans for us. You know, we've talked about it over the you know, Sundays, you know, previous Sundays, is that this is not just a place where we come on Sunday. This is a place where we come and we meet with the Lord, where we get to know each other so that we can come to a point where we can trust each other, where we can open up to each other and be, you know, have each other's backs. Yeah. That's why God brings us here. It's not about just you know, coming together on a Sunday morning. Because, I mean, every one of us could find something else to do. Yeah. Okay? But it's about coming together to get to know the Lord, to get to that point of intimacy where new things are being birthed in us. And so the Jewish feasts that we're talking about, um, each one of them has a specific representation you know, of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into a teaching on that, but just so everybody's aware, the four spring um, festivals are Passover, we're all familiar with that one. And there's also unleavened bread, first fruits, and the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. Um, these four were all accomplished when Christ first came and walked the earth. The three fall festivals, which Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, is the one coming up in a couple days, followed by Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. And then the Feast of Booths, or of in-gathering, are all fall, all fall festivals. And each one of them... God reminding the people of what he has done for them. Amen. So again, remembrance. It's about remembering what God has done. Um, a lot of the festivals are you know, based around agriculture. They're based around the, the farming that the Israelites were doing. And I just actually heard a teaching that was very interesting to me. Is We all know that our salvation is a gift, right? There's nothing any single one of us can do to earn our salvation. It's a gift from God by Christ dying on the cross. All we have to do is say, Lord, thank you for the gift and accept it. But we also need to remember that we've been grafted in. Amen. Okay, that's a term we don't hear very often, right? Grafting, unless you're a surgeon or in the medical field, you hear about grafting occasionally. But Romans 11, turn to Romans 11, please. Romans chapter 11, and I'm going to read part of verse 16. I'm going to read the last part of it. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. 
Romans 11:16, if the root is holy, then the branches are also holy. That part of the teaching Paul is talking about Israel and that how they've fallen away and how we've been grafted into that. And the teaching I heard was a, um, a vine dresser, a guy that owns, works in a vineyard. And he said that when us, when the Europeans first brought grape plants over to the New World, to the Americas, and they would plant it in the soil, it would die. They could never get it to survive because the European root was not used to the American soil. And so the diseases, the pests that were in our ground, the European root couldn't sustain itself. It would die. And so what they learned to do is they took the native grape, the grape roots that would grow here in the Americas, and they grafted in the European stock. And so as long as the European stock was rooted in the ground with the American, the native root, it would grow. Is there a lesson there? If we try and plant ourselves, we're going to die. Yes, that's right. Because we cannot handle the soil that's around us. The sin, the pollution, all the things that we encounter in this world, we cannot sustain ourselves. But as soon as we are grafted into the root of Christ, which is holy, then what do we become? We become holy because He is holy. We have no holiness. We have no righteousness in ourselves. It is all from Christ. There's nothing I can do to ever make myself holy enough to be good enough to enter into heaven, to enter into God's presence. It's only through Christ. It's only through my engrafting into Him, into His root, into His being, that I become holy and I become righteous enough to stand before God because in, in Christ, my sins are forgiven. My sins are cleansed from me. And that's what this is about. This is what being in church is about. It's not about just hearing a message, hearing a Bible story. Um, if you were all young kids, we'd have the flannel grams up here, right? Those of you that remember what those are. We'd be telling you stories about David and Goliath. We'd be telling you stories about Jonah and the whale and having pictures of it, which are important things for us to learn as children because God still can teach us as adults about those things. But we're all mature here. We need to be hearing the Word of God so that it's changing our lives, not just so we're enjoying stories, but so that it's actually getting in here and changing your heart. And as your heart changes... This thing changes also. The way you think, the way you act, the way you carry yourself is going to change as Christ becomes more real in your heart. And you take on his image, you take on his love. Because if we love like Christ does, it doesn't matter what people do around us. If we love like Christ does, people can be idiots around you. And we still love them. Because we see them as the sinner that they are. We see them as the lost and wounded person that they are. And we have a compassion for them that you can't have in yourself. I don't care how good you think your heart is. I don't care how compassionate you think you are. Is when you get the love of Christ down deep inside of you, there is nothing you're going to encounter that you can't love them through it. 
but it's only because of the love of Christ. So we need to be rooted firmly or grafted firmly into the root that is Christ. And one thing we also learn from the you know, the parable of John chapter 15 is Jesus is talking about the vine and, you know, the vine dresser and, you know, God being the husbandman. Is what does it say when a branch is bearing fruit? Does God just leave it alone? He prunes it. Okay. Doesn't sound like a fun thing. Let's start chopping some pieces off here, right? Okay. But the reason God does it, and Jesus goes on to explain that when a ch- vine or when a branch is bearing fruit, he prunes it so that it will bear even more fruit. And that's, again, each one of you sitting here, is you're, you know, if you're in Christ, you're bearing fruit of some kind. But God wants to prune you. He wants to clip some things off maybe that are not as healthy as they could be. He wants to prune some things off of you that are holding you back from bearing more fruit than you think you can bear. Because if you're bearing 10 fruit right now, God knows you can bear more fruit than that. And so he's going to do some pruning. He's going to do some clipping in your life and eliminate some things so that you're even healthier and that now you're going to bear 30 fruit or whatever it is God got planned for you. So pruning requires the cutting off of disease or unhealthy or unfruitful parts of us. And God does this because he loves us. He wants to work through us and touch the world with our lives. So every single one of you, again, I'm not talking to anyone in particular, but every single one of you sitting here, God has created and put you here at this time in life so you can impact his world, push back the darkness, push back the kingdom of Satan. That's why you're here. If that's not why you're here, let's talk. Some of the pruning, and again, you know, we're running a lot of classes. We've got a lot of things going on right now, and, you know, September being the start of the school year, we're embracing that. We're also looking at this, again, as being a new beginning, you know, Rosh Hashanah, you know, New Year. Let's take it for what it was meant to be. It's a time to remember what God has done for us. It's a time to inspect ourselves, ask other people to inspect you. I mean, those of you that are married, one of the hardest questions to ask is, ask your spouse, what am I doing that irritates you? What am I doing that's ungodly? Okay? Be nice to each other. Now, there's a lot of snickering going on in this room here. Okay? But the person that knows you the best is also the person that can judge your fruit the best. That's why, again, as the body of Christ here at PF, we need to know each other. And I've yet, you know, I say this to my ISIM classes all the time. If I ever say something that is not biblical, you better stand up and confront me on it. Yeah. And so you guys all have that free reign. That if I'm bringing the word of God in here and I say something that is not biblical, does not line up with scripture, you need to know your scriptures well enough to tell me that's wrong. That's right. Okay, I'm a man. I'm fallible. I don't know everything. Okay. My wife will argue the point that I like to think I know everything sometimes. But I will freely admit before God and all of you, I do not know everything. But we have to spend time in the Word. 
The classes that we're bringing to you, that's what they're for, is to help you understand more and more of the Word, to understand what you were created for and the purpose that you have sitting here right now today. Why does God have you here? So the Conquer class, Steve, when the announcements, we talked about that. We've run that one time before. This is an important tool. I mean, it's a touchy subject. It's one that most churches won't breach. But pornography is a huge problem in the body of Christ. So the Conquer class is literally that. It's a tool. It's an opportunity for us to explore what the addiction is, why pornography has such a hold on especially us men, and to allow God to prune it, to cut it out of our lives so that we can bear more fruit. So the Conquer class, if you have any questions on that, there's information on the table out there. You can find me. Steve Lucas is not here today, so you can't talk to him, but Steve will be leading the class. Um, The Conquer class is one of the tools that God will use to prune your life. It'll cut away diseased parts of you. It'll give you the ammo, it'll give you the armor to walk through this life as a pure and holy man. Um, another class that we offer is the, you know, the ISM classes, the biblical foundation, or excuse me, the biblical teaching classes. Um, those start this Tuesday, Rosh Hashanah. You know, what better timing, right? Um, again, information on the sign-up or on the tables out front there. Um, also, another class that has been offered here at PF and is going to be returning to PF is classes called the Healing Journey. And this is one of the more intense classes, and I'm not saying this to scare anybody away from it, but if you've got issues, if you've got wounds in your life, the Healing Journey is a class that you need to take. And it's not just learning scripture. It's about actually asking God to look into your hurts, into your wounds, and him giving you the opportunity to be healed of them. So Cheryl, if you would come on up front. Cheryl's going to tell you a little bit about that. She's going to be leading the class here at PF. Again, another tool that God wants to use to prune and make us more fruitful. You can come on up here. So my name is Cheryl Hand, and uh, we are offering the Healing Journey. It's a 29-week program taught by Sher- uh, Cindy Sherwood. We're going to be beginning class Thursday, September 16th at 10 o'clock here at the Praise Fellowship. There's also two other classes that are available, um, and uh, Tina Yagel will be leading those classes. And they're at the First Press in Warren, and it's on September 14th at 10 a.m. and one in an evening on Wednesday, September 15th at 6.15 p.m. if anybody's interested in that. Um, The Healing Journey is a Bible study, but it's a lot more. Um, It's an opportunity to develop a strong and intimate relationship with the Lord. Um, He helps us work through the barriers of broken hearts, um, trust, shame, guilt, unforgiveness, anger, rejection, abandonment, and loss. It makes no difference how we came by the wounds that we've come by. The path to the healing and freedom is all the same. He promises to make us into the beautiful women and men that he created us to be. No matter what has happened to us, no matter what we've done, 
He accepts us and loves us. <clears throat> he considers us his precious children. For many of us, we have never been able to experience his peace or joy because we believe the lie that we are damaged goods. This lie is from the enemy. Many of us are hiding secrets of pain, guilt, and suffering. We look good on the outside, but on the inside, we are afraid, angry, confused, and lost. The healing journey is the place to get freedom from these things and begin to live the life which God created us. If this speaks to your heart, I urge you to consider this class. I will be um, giving the class again, September 16th, Thursday, at 10 a.m. Um, there is a fee, and it is $85 for the class. It's a 29-week program, so um, it is definitely worth your time and your money. Um, if you guys have any questions, I'm going to be out there after service, and I'll be able to answer any questions for you. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Okay. Yep. So again, thank you, Cheryl. So what you're hearing is there's lots of opportunities to be in the Word, to help bring yourself to a, a greater knowledge of who Christ is and the work that He's doing inside of you. So lots of opportunities. Um, you know, again, I'll be blunt with you. Stop making excuses. You know, we can come up with all kinds of excuses. You know, we're too busy. We got this or that. But what Christ has for us, he already paid the ultimate sacrifice. Right. He already paid it all. So don't allow anything to get in the way of you becoming more like Christ. And again, that's what we're about. That's why we're doing the things we're doing. So through the week, if you need to reach out to somebody... You know, we're available. You can call the church. You can get a hold of me. You can get a hold of AJ. The other elders are available. You know, lean on each other. Stop trying to figure this thing out by yourselves. Lean on God. Lean on those that he's put in place to help us through this. This morning as we close, we're going to do communion. And I want you to remember, you know, in our history, we've got all kinds of things that have come to our remembrance. Um, one of the first ones, as I'm thinking about history, is remember the Alamo. Okay. Remember the Maine. Okay. We've had a lot of significant events in our history that we've used to motivate ourselves to become the nation that we are today. You know, we remember the sacrifices of those that came before us. You know, unfortunately, we've got one coming up September 11. You know, we remember what was done on that day. Um, the, Say so we've got so many reminders. Um, like Lou said, Afghanistan just recently, the sacrifices that were paid there, you know, Americans trying to protect others. If you feel inclined or I say you should go out, there's 13 cards out on the information table that you can sign your names to that the Blue Star organization is going to try and get those cards to each of the 13 families that they're children lay down their lives for the cause so remember and the most the most important thing we need to remember is what Jesus did and so I want to read out 
And as I read the scripture right now, I would like everybody to just start coming forwards and get to communion and then go back to your seat. So if you want to start coming forwards as I read, please do that. But 1 Corinthians chapter 11, start, come on forward, start getting the communion. Paul saying, For I have received of the Lord that which also is delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, the same, <clears throat> on that same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and he had given thanks. He broke it and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he also took the cup which he had, <clears throat> when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. So Jesus is saying, remember me by the body, remember me by the blood, remember me by the bread and the juice, the wine. For as often as you do this, you eat the bread and you drink this cup, you show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, or wherever you eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, unworthily you shall be guilty of the blood and the body of the Lord. But let each man examine himself. So as we read this and as we sit here and you think about it, I want you to examine your hearts. Ask God to reveal if there's any sins that you need to repent of before we take this communion. Because we're remembering what Christ did. We're not just going, again, through a ritualistic motion of this is something that we do on a Sunday morning. This is something we do to remember that Christ died to make us right with God to bring us back into a right relationship with who he is. So examine yourselves. Do you have one, AJ? So as we do this this morning, Surrender yourself. You know, the song that we ended the praise time with is I Surrender All. Is as you prepare to take the, the bread, the wafer here, it's a reminder that Jesus gave his body, his whole body. He didn't hold anything back from us. And so what he's saying is as you take the bread, he says, I am the bread of life. And so when we take the body, we're take, as we take the bread, we're remembering that Jesus died on the cross, gave his entire body for us. Don't think about this as a corporate body right now. Think of it individually. That you who are sitting here, those of you that are listening online even, across the world, that wherever they're taking communion, this represents, this symbolizes the body of Christ that was beaten that was pierced with thorns, had to drag a cross across the streets of Jerusalem. And then he was nailed to it so that we could be brought back into right relationship with Christ. So take the bread and remember that Christ died for you to bring you back into the family. as we take of the, the fruit of the vine, the wine, the juice, that it represents the blood of Christ. And the blood of Christ is what purifies us. 
it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So as you take the juice, it represents the cleansing in your heart. That the sins that you've repented of, the forgiveness you've given, the blood of Christ brings that into totality. So take the blood, take the juice, and remember that Christ died for your sins and shed his blood for that. I'd like everybody to stand right now. And if you're willing, if this is something that you sincerely can do, I want you to surrender right now. Everyone close your eyes. We'll close in prayer. And if you can surrender yourselves, show him that. Put your arms up. Surrender yourself right now. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for your, thank you for your love for us. And just as the song says, we surrender all. We hold nothing back. Our imperfections, our hurts, the pains that we've sustained, those that we've wronged, Lord, we give it all to you. That we may walk out the days of our lives in righteousness, that we may walk out our remaining days, whatever that happens to be, that we will bring you the glory in everything we say and we do. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and that he was willing to come and die on the cross for our sins and make us right with you. So as we surrender ourselves to you, Lord, just use us in a mighty way. That the things that we have are inadequate, but through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we can walk in a way that we've never known before. We can understand the things of your scriptures in a way we've never understood before. And that you will use us, Lord, in mighty and powerful ways to change this world. We give you the glory and the honor. We thank you for all the hearts here that have turned to you and that are turning to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you all. Go be blessed. If you have questions, the information on the table. But go and greet somebody that you've never greeted today. Take a couple minutes and just go find someone on the other side of the sanctuary and start connecting ourselves together.